this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 208. We're recording on Thursday, May 4th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, here with Jeff O'Neill. We're coming to you from bookriot.com and from Moms, Dads, and Grads Recommendation Central. It's that time of year. It is. It's that time of year. So uh, we're not sure. We got we got quite a few of these. Uh, we're going to get to all the ones that got in on time, but we might split it into two shows or two and a half shows or, you know, mm-hmm. it, de- it depends on how we go here. But we're going to go for an hour and see how many we can get through. Um, and then we'll see. So thank you guys so much for, for writing in. Um, we got a lot of good ones. You know, I, I found this time, uh, I went through the document first, so I haven't actually seen your picks, but we didn't get a lot of chance to bust out our chestnuts. That we didn't, wrong. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like, I only had a couple of moments where I was going to, you know, uh, Mary Roach, you know, I didn't do yeah. that. There's no Gilead. I don't have a Gilead recommendation. I didn't I put tiny, I, beautiful things on this list. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, so, like, I think I've made this this analogy before, but those are the RSTLNEs of our mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune uh uh, recommendations. So maybe we should just always include. We should just have like a section where it's like, and uh, just it's like and the in Swiss just Army in case, section. Yeah, yeah, just or switch army section. So uh, let's get started. All right, um, I'll read the first sure. one. And uh, oh, I see. <laughs> I, I I stole your thunder. I'm just looking now at your comment about this one. Um, let's see. It's from Ashley. She's looking for recommendations for a mom. She likes fiction books about Asian-American, Asian women. Chinese-American characters are her first choice since that's her background, but she enjoys books about people from other backgrounds, too. Her favorites are Amy Tan and Lisa C. She also loved Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Uh, she has enjoyed both contemporary and historical fiction, but does not like things with an otherworldly or fantastical bent. Any suggestion would be appreciated. Thank you, Ashley. Um, I don't know if this is some sort of weird availability bias, but I think there's been a lot of really good books about Chinese Americans recently, and mm-hmm. maybe it's that there's the same as usual, and I've just read several of them, or what, but, because um, I read every, uh, everything I never told you, for sure. Um, then my two picks are The Leavers by Lisa Ko, which just came out a week or two ago. Um, and the story there is basically uh, the the parents get deported and leave a kid, basically. Um, so that's a heavy one. Uh, so, and you know, it's about immigration and all the things you might expect about a first, second generation, um, immigration experience with this particular, you know, plot element. And then, uh, the Wangs versus the world by Jed Chang is Jade Chang, excuse me, is more of a comic exploration of the immigrant, a Chinese immigrant experience in which the family called the Wangs, they, they've come and they've kind of, they've made, they've made their, you know, they kind of got the American dream and then they lose it all. And about what happens to it, it plays a little bit with uh, the trope of the the Asian American, the Chinese American as a model minority, and all the expectations that go along with being Chinese American. So those are two those are two paths uh, around the same idea. It might be a nice combo those together. Yeah, those um, would be a serious and a little a lighter one. What do you well, got? Well, well, 
I second the emotion of the wings versus the world. Mm -hmm. I loved that. It was the first one that came to mind um, when I was reading this question. It's so funny. Like, it's just so funny and so smart. I've got one. I went into the backlist here. Ah, good. I almost Um, did that too, but I I don't know this book that you're about to talk about. Hotel in the Corner of Bitter and Sweet by Jamie Ford. It came out, I believe, 2008, 2009. Mm. It was like early in my blogging life. I see. Um, Debut novel. It's set in Seattle. The main character, Henry Lee, is walking in downtown Seattle, and he sees this crowd gathered outside the Panama Hotel, um, which at one point was sort of the starting, like marked the start of Seattle's Japantown, but it's been closed up for decades and a new owner has bought it and has discovered that the belongings of Japanese families um, who these belongings were left when the families were rounded up and sent to internment camps during World War II are inside um, the hotel. And Henry's like standing there watching as the owner is you know, going through some of the belongings that they found inside the hotel. And he starts, Henry starts reflecting back to the 1940s and to the height of World War II um, when he was young and his father, who was obsessed with the war, um, is, you know, talking to them. So it sort of, it deals with, um, I believe that the chapters, it's been a long time, y'all. Um, I believe that the chapters move back and forth between present day mm. and the 40s, um, from Henry's boyhood to now his adulthood reflecting on World War II and on Japanese internment. Not Chinese American, as Ashley requested from us, but a really interesting look at the immigrant experience, um, especially one that did not go well um, during the war and what later generations you know do with the inherited understanding of that and also not terribly heavy um, it's a great read it was an excellent book club book when it came out um, and Jamie Ford if you um, are on the Twitters is a great Twitter follow um, continually so I hadn't thought about this book in forever and I was just say like, the name again hotel on the corner of bitter and sweet by Jamie Ford that's one thing we get asked for these recommendation shows is after we do our recommendation spiel to like say the name again at the end. So like, oh, what book are we talking? Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Liberty and I do that on all the books like mm. as a rule now, but I never think to do it when we're doing these. It just feels yeah. different. And I'm going to put the in the show notes, I'll list all the books that we talked about, but I'm not going to put in all the questions. They'll just be a list. So you have to... Mm-hmm. Uh, you, have, you have to ring your own bell, as they say. That's another... That doesn't sound good either. Uh, let's do a sponsor <laughs> to get me out of that one. Uh this week's show brought to you by Woman Number 17 by Eden Lepucky. Uh, her new novel, and so it's a sister, a sinister, sexy noir about art, motherhood, and intense, the intensity of female friendships set in the posh hills above Los Angeles. So here's, here's what it's about. We're high in the Hollywood Hills, and writer Lady Daniels has taken a break from her husband. Left alone with her children, she's going to need a hand taking care of her young son. She sends out a, she puts up a craze, Craigslist ad and gets a response from this this person named S, a magnetic young artist who will live in the guest house, care for the toddler Devin, and keep an eye on their on her teenage son. But it's hot. It's a Hollywood heel, Hills, and you know the connection takes a disturbing and possibly destructive turn. This is a darkly comic, twisty, uh, tense, mesmerizing literary kind of thriller, psychological drama. Um, that's. Woman number 17 by Ian Lepucky. Go check it out now. 
Thanks right. for sponsoring the show. Yeah, thank you to them. All right, you want to do the next one? Yeah, the next one. Actually, I can just do this one in like a one fell swoop situation. Yes. Um, let's see. This next one, I don't think there's a name attached to it. Um, yeah. This listener is a youth services librarian who obviously loves our show mm-hmm. and all the books, but is looking for a podcast that's like what we do here, but specifically for kids and YA books. They mostly read adult books in their free time, but want to get news and reviews of books that would be relevant to the day job. And do we know of anything like it? Um, I had to go ask our contributors Mm -hmm. because this is not my wheelhouse. Um, But we have two for you. I did not research these at all, but I I trust our contributors. Um, So check out All the Wonders and Books Between. Um, And those are both related to YA or kids' books in some fashion. Um, I I didn't come across any recommendations, at least from our folks in-house, about like straight up like news and new releases. Um, But there will be discussion about YA or kids' books. And I believe that there's one as well that's about like reading out loud to children, but that may be um, less relevant for what you're going for here for kind of a reader's advisory input. But again, those are called All the Wonders and Books Between. All right. I'll do the next one. Uh, this is a, not my wheelhouse, but I, I have one suggestion. Let's see. I, uh, this is from Trista uh, Gagne. Uh, I need a book that will absolutely wreck me, that will just fox me right up, to, to borrow some of the book's <laughs> parlance. The last one that effect I'm looking for was A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara, and this is what I liked about it. Um, some spoiler alerts here. Maybe I shouldn't even say that, uh, actually, if you haven't read A Little Life. Uh, she likes a twist, likes books about mental health, uh, prefer, if possible, LGBTQ characters, dark side of humanity, multiple points of view... And something that gives you a big book hangover, right? Mm. That really, you know, packs a wallop, um, as they say in whatever industry, wallop is part of the nomenclature. Um, <laughs> there, so unreliable nerves, swears, messed up family dynamics. So uh, some, something just – Trista, you're looking for a baseball bat to the sternum of a book. That's she what, likes that's, some dark that, and twisty. Like, yeah, right. Um, and this is not my wheelhouse, but I read, I read – I've been reading out of my wheelhouse a little bit. Maybe that's a subject for a different show. Um, but I read uh, recently, and it, it went on the Insider Slack when I mentioned that, all all hell broke loose because this is one that's very de- divisive. Some people really love it, and some people are just like, I don't know what that was, and some people are like, that was just too much. It's The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. And I was thinking about how to blurb it, and I have n- I mean, it is a weird crazy, sinister, disturbing, strange fantasy set in the contemporary world. It's a fantasy world unlike anyone I've ever, see, uh, I've ever seen. I'm not even sure what to do to recommend it, except I haven't been as hit, his head, uh, hit as hard over the head by a book in a long time. And so uh, it doesn't really fit all of your criteria. And to be fair, there's a lot of criteria. But in terms of getting a book hangover, that's that's what I'm seeing here, Trista. I'm recommending the library at Mount Char, and it looks like you do okay. There's some there's some tough violence in it, some fantastical elements. Um, it will screw you up. So if you're into that and you're up for it, uh, gird your reading loins uh, and pick up the library at Mount Char. I don't even want to say anything about the plot because it's like <laughs> it just just that's what that's my recommendation. Yeah. That's my pick. 
you know, Liberty loves that book and yeah. has read it like nine times at this point. And she talked about it before it came out. And then she talked about it when it came out on all the books. And she also like would not really tell what it was about. So yeah. all I know now is that like I should read this book at some point probably, but I don't know what it's about or why. And that's fine. And, um, I, and I said, I'm not sure I'm glad I read it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that is all. I don't know. what. I guess I'm glad I did because... It is a, as I was saying to Shinsky on Slack, a particular flavor of ice cream. It's just that that flavor might be be burnt dreams. Like I just, you know, like it just might not be one that I'm used to or really want to have. It's but, like not a fun flavor. But I will remember Library at Mount Char for for a long time. That's a good sell. You know, this is this question is more in my yes, wheelhouse. Yes. But I will say, Trista, I don't know that there is. Mm. Sort of a um, a similar reading experience to A Little Life. That was very singular in my experience as well. I loved it. Also, it also foxed me right up. Mm. Um, to go book adjacent first, I would say, like, if you just want to get screwed up in the feels, go watch a couple episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, Lord. <laughs> like, okay. We'll talk about that I, next week. During yeah, the, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, just, hear I'll just briefly say, like, I'm tough, but mm. I had to watch two Grace and Frankie's two lip sync battles and then all of Footloose to recover Oh, my from Lord. The first that, is, that is quite a hair of the dog <laughs> from you one need episode, to recover. From. Jeff, Amanda and oh, Jen were boy. here and we were like, we're going to do it. We're going to watch all three. And we watched one and, like, we were all crying within 30 seconds of the pilot starting oh my god it was it's a lot so maybe if you just want to like you know hit yourself in the sternum with a baseball bat do that but reading wise i've got some other sort of like catch your breath this is really tough stories um an untamed state by roxanne gay if you have not read that, is about a woman who um, a woman who's abducted from her family's home in a rich area of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and she's held for ransom. Her family refuses to pay. Her father refuses to pay the ransom. Her husband is trying to get to her, but she's held for like two weeks. Um, and all of the terrible things that you think are done to women when they're abducted by very bad men are done to her, and they are done on the page. Um, Roxane Gay no- is known for being able to look at and discuss really awful parts of human experience. And she does that here. And it's the like the magic of her writing is that she's writing about some of the ugliest things that people do to each other, but it's done so elegantly and so compellingly that you're like, this is terrible, but I have to keep turning the pages. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the most breathtaking novels that I've read in a while. I think I read it in the same year as A Little Life. Maybe they came out like six months in my brain, they came out like Mm. six months apart from each other. And that I just spent that year being like, why are all the authors so mean to me? Mm. Um, But it's very, very good, like a million trigger warnings for it. But it looks from the other books that you're telling us that you've read and loved here, like it's going to be okay for you. Um, I Crawl Through It by A.S. King is a young adult title that um, she always has some kind of surreal elements. But this is about four teenagers that have all dealt with trauma of some kind. And uh, they're they're processing it in different ways. One of them builds and tries to fly an invisible helicopter. One of them is literally a walking inside out digestive system. Like it sounds crazy, but the book makes a lot of sense and will hit you so hard. It's one of those examples that I always point to when people are like, yeah, but young adult books just don't get at Mm. really difficult emotions or like they just can't do adult emotions. Like this, it's pretty close there. I I Crawl Through It by A.S. King is really good. And then for a short, like, quiet punch, um, Story of a Brief Marriage by Anouk Ard Pragasam, which is about 
a young man who's in a war-torn nation, and he meets this old man with a daughter, and they make this arrangement that the young man will marry the old man's daughter like that day um, as a way for the daughter to have protection, and also the young man will maybe not have to be drafted into the military if he has a wife. And so he and the young woman find themselves together trying, like over the course of 24 hours, trying to figure out if they can marry each other, can you reach for something that looks like love or comfort or companionship um, or, you know, even just physical like contact with another human in, can you reach for something beautiful in such a really terrible moment of life? Um, It was, it's like quietly devastating, not quite uh, what a little life did, but one of the best books I thought of 2016 and that we didn't hear enough about. So those three again are An Untamed State by Roxane Gay, I Crawl Through It by A.S. King, and The Story of a Brief Marriage by Anouk Ard Pragasam. Okay, that, let's do another sponsor, I guess. All right, this get, one's get, my get, turn. Get, them, uh, get that one in the bank. Your turn. Yeah, yeah your this turn. one is uh, also we're sponsored this week by Postgrad by Caroline Kitchener. What really happens in the first year out of college? When Caroline Kitchener graduated from Princeton, she began shadowing four of her female classmates, interviewing them as they started to navigate the murky waters of post-collegiate life. She weaves together her own experiences as a writer with the experiences of these other women who are a documentarian, a singer, a programmer, and an aspiring doctor to delve deeply into the personal and professional opportunities offered to female college graduates and how the world perceives them. So this is more than another like story about wacky millennials. Um, Caroline is part of the group that she's writing about, and so she's approaching her subjects, you know, as a peer rather than someone who's looking in from the outside. She's very frank and funny. It's very open. Her subjects are diverse. They're from different racial, sexual, and socioeconomic backgrounds. And there are lots of books about getting into college, and then lots of books about getting into the workforce, but um, not very many books that have addressed this topic. What it's like in that middle transition place of after leaving school, but before you have really found your place in the world, kind of the quarter life crisis moment, if you will. Uh, So again, if that sounds good to you, this is perfect for this show that we're doing here for graduates. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Post Grad by Caroline Kitchener, and it's from Echo. We'll have a link in the show notes. Great. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring the show this week. Um, I think that does look like a particularly good, if you're looking for something graduation-related Mm-hmm. Like that's that's an unusual pick. People, you know, I guess if you got to throw oh the place you'll go in there, fine, whatever. But how about something someone will actually read? You know? And also tiny beautiful things. <laughs> yeah, tiny beautiful, <laughs> tiny beautiful things. Oh, what about tiny beautiful things adapted by Dr. Seuss? I'd like to see that. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'm oh, kind it's of like devastating, that. but it rhymes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like poignant, uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> right. now after my flight of fancy, I realized I, I mentally put in my picks for this next one, but I didn't type them in. So why don't you go first so then I can surprise you. <laughs> sure. Um, so the next question is from Rachel. Her husband is not a reader, but has recently started to try because he mm. knows it's something that she's into. Good job, Rachel's husband. Good job, Mr. Rachel. We mm-hmm. like to hear that. Okay. That's nice. He really loved uh, Dark Matter by Blake Crowley and Ready Player One, and they recently listened to The Stranger in the Woods, and he liked that as well. And she says, I have no idea 
what he should try <laughs> next. Help. Uh, okay, Ready Player One got my wheels turning, and also the audiobook mention got my mm. wheels turning. This is another one of our go-tos. It's The Martian yep. by Andy Weir. Um, if he likes sort of that like sci-fi but grounded pretty much in reality. Propulsive plot. Um, propulsive plot, a great voice. The Martian just has a great voice. Mm. That character is so much fun to spend time with. Um, and the audiobook is excellent. It is really, really an excellent experience. Bob and I are kind of in this, like this Dark Matter and Ready Player One sounds like the wheelhouse of mine and Bob's Venn diagram for audio. The, the wheelhouse of your Venn? It yeah. is the wheelhouse of our Venn. Uh, and we loved, we both loved The Martian on audio. And we're getting ready to listen to Dark Matter on a road trip tomorrow. <laughs> so yes, excellent. This seems right. So I think The Martian by Andy Weir. And then also maybe try Daniel Jose Older's Bone Street Rumba series. It begins with Half Resurrection Blues. This one's a little bit weirder, but it's set in New York. The main character is half dead. He's um, referred to as an in betweener. He died and then was partially resurrected from death and now he works for like a cabal of also strange supernatural people who beings i guess who like govern new york and he has to go around killing and like trapping the other creatures that live between the living and the dead i am not doing a very good job describing what this book really feels like but it's this gritty new york with also a really excellent voice and the characters just happen to be like halfway dead um it's so adventurous and so much fun and a really you know fast read and there are several in the series now uh, so that's Half Resurrection Blues, which is the first in the Bone Street Rumba series by Daniel Jose Older. Um, some of these recommendation shows are kind of recent. Like it's it's a little bit of like, what have Jeff and Re- Rebecca been reading recently that we have talked about <laughs> on the show when we find a place to put them? <laughs> and I was saying I've been reading out of my wheelhouse recently. Like I think one thing that the going to libraries helped me do is, you know, I, I'm less less weight is put on each book that I buy because I'm not buying the book. So if I don't like it, I can set it aside or I try things like... And so one thing I've been doing over the last six months, really, as I've been on this ultimate tear of reading for me, is just picking up books that I've heard other a, a bunch of other people like, even if they don't sound like it's something I like, and mm-hmm. just trying them. Yep. And it turns out mm-hmm. I like almost everything. Like, that's what I've learned about <laughs> myself. Like, if, you know, if there's something in there to like, I will like it. Like, I'm not going to yeah. name a book, but there was one recently I picked up, but a lot of people talked about it. And it wasn't very good, but I liked it. Like, there were mm-hmm. parts of it that just, there was enough there that I liked it. So Reading is you, pleasurable. Re- re- reading is fun, it turns out. I know this, <laughs> this uh, maybe, um, well, but this is why ebooks are, this is why ebook sales are down, because reading is, re- well, <laughs> that's just as good as any other reason, I guess. Anyway, um, so one, this one I've been meaning to get to for a while, and, and it's a little, it's, I don't, that, that's a long preamble, because this is something I would have read when it came out, because it a little is in my wheel. It's like literary a post literary post apocalypse like mm-hmm. that's a genre mm-hmm. right you can put in the road in there um Zone so that's, one. The, the road is one i would think i would recommend for starters right i'm looking so dark matter and ready player one are like literary thriller dystopia future whatever the road is hardcore but it's a singular reading experience and it's one of those where you pick it up and you've got 3 hours you're not going to put it down so that's that's just one to try if 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 uh, Mr. Rachel needs a hook, which Dark Matter and Raider Poland have great hooks, that's one I'd recommend right out there. Um, then the, the, the one I was actually going to pick as the road, it's a long way uh, to get where I'm going, I guess, is The Dog Stars by Peter Heller, um, which came out a few years ago. It is also a literary post-apocalyptic tale. 
basically some sort of virus has happened. It's not about the virus happening. It's about what's uh, happened after. So the the time of the book picks up, I think, nine years after the virus hits. Our main character, I don't, we 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 remember, we, it's, it's first person narration, so you don't hear his name said very much. I can't remember it right now. And he's come into sort of an uneasy alliance with this other guy. And they're, they're camped out, fortified in this little airstrip in Colorado. The main character flies a little Cessna around to help protect, scout, see what's going on. Um, and it's about them surviving. And then the main character, something changes, and the status quo needs to change. And the book is about what happens when that status quo changes. So they've been hanging out together, you know, defending their little part of the world from the, you know, neo-barbarians and the people with the virus. And some of it is the interestingness of just like figuring out how they survive. But then there's a real emotional propulsive plot core that picks up about 50 pages in. So there's about 50 pages of like, this is the world to which these characters have been accustomed, something happens, and then you're seeing what happens from there. Again, it's got that thing of, it's beautiful, it's interesting, it has its own world, and it's really page turnery as you go. So that's The Dog Stars by Peter, Peter Heller. And then The Road is, you know, The Road. Like, that's, another, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. we should have that list too of just like, here are the books that are just reading experiences just to have them, right? And that one is for sure. Like, every time I recommend that someone, like, they read it in one sitting or two sittings, like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm messed up. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I still I think, haven't read it. <laughs> really? Is that true? Uh-huh. It is true. That's so well. I, I envy your um, inevitable distress that it's that book will cause. It's been in my you. house for like a decade. I bought it. Oh, and that's I was like, so I'm going to read this. I mean, and I just, I you just, should it, read it. I mean, I whatever. I read what it you just, want. I. Yeah, you. It just you, like you, hasn't felt like. I wonder the right if there's time. an audio book of that you and oh, Bob might like. Oh, I that's bet there is. That's darker than your normal shared wheelhouse fair. But oh, I, yeah, I think, but we're both dark. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Um, the Dog Stars, Peter Heller, The Road. Uh, I didn't even say Cormac McCarthy, of course. Yeah. The Immortal. Yeah, I also, I think my hump with The Road was like, that I kind of know what it is, you know? Uh, like, I'm afraid that knowing what it is is going to, like, have removed you know, some of that's the interesting. wallop. It could it's be. Like, I kind of doubt what, it, though. Yeah. I think I think my reading analogy for it is that, like, I knew what the twist in Jane Eyre was before mm. I read Jane Eyre, and that definitely cooled it had a chilling yeah. effect on yeah. the excitement i had for reading it but i'm someday i will read the road we'll see yeah we'll see okay. um this next, the next question one? is from katie cronk hi katie hi katie um, her mom has been reading a lot more lately and so she's looking for a mother's day pick um she's been reading a lot of funny memoirs like trevor noah lauren graham medical medical um and amy poehler and she enjoyed Anderson Cooper's book and Robin Roberts's um, Robin Roberts. Uh, that's hard to say. And also, she's into spy novels too. So there's like celebrity. I, I didn't see that curveball coming. And spy novels. And spy novels from John Le Carre. John Le Carre. Who uh, you're in the right place uh, because right that place. is the Jeff. That's like yeah. the core of the Jeff wheelhouse. Uh, and she also recently gave her mom the the notorious RBG. So we've got a lot of interesting material here. Uh, I sort of so, ignored that last bit. And, I okay. mean, I, I got – not that I – that's important. It's like I didn't even – there's like another zig. And I, I wasn't yeah. quite ready for another zig. There's so. nothing kind of like the notorious RBG anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where are you going here? Uh, a couple things. Um I just realized, too, I didn't put this down, but Licare has a new memoir out. So that might be one where you can mm-hmm. bridge both. Is that it's The not, Pigeon Tunnel? Uh, the Pigeon Tunnel, yeah. It's not funny, really, except in the way that Le Carre is sort of, you know, dryly British funny. Um, but if she does like Le Carre, 
it's awesome background for the novels and how you know how he got started and you know it's really interesting and he you know he and Oliver Sacks and who there was someone else we were talking about you know could be the Dose Keys most interesting man in the world I think it might be Le Carre it, it's tough it's tough I mean because Oliver Sacks is like you know a bodybuilding motorcycle riding neuroscientist that's pretty tough to beat. But an ex-spy thriller writer who, like, hangs out with foreign heads of state and, like, penetrates um, basically warlords' inner sanctums for research, also tough to beat. So t- t- take which one, but The Pigeon Tunnel by Le Carre is a really interesting memoir. So it's not funny, but you get the memoir, but then she's interested in those spy novels. Anyway, a little back, bit of background there. Um, is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me by Mindy Kaling? Uh, really fun on audio. She a, has a great voice, too. I did it on audio. I, I don't... I don't doesn't say if your mom's here into audio. If she is, that would be my pick, that one for sure. I think there's sort of a modern Mount Rushmore of these funny celebrity mm-hmm. memoirs, right? You know, Bossy Pants and Everyone to Hang Out Without Me and Yes, Please. Um, and that's one I, w- I would put on there as well. Um, I think I maybe liked Yes, Please a little bit better, but I, I certainly liked um, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without There. Did you have? Did you do Why Not Me, The Next Kaling? I, was I did. Ask you. I've, I read both of those in print. They just both happened mm. to come out when I was traveling, and they mm. make great airplane books. Okay. Do you have a preference so, of one or the other? I was going to ask I you. I like Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me Yeah, better. okay. That's I feel kind like, of the feeling I got. It's like maybe that did the thing, and Why Not Me was more of the yeah, same, but I don't know if that's I true. Gonna, I feel like celebrity writers, especially like professional essay writers who write essays all the time, mm-hmm. to their work tends to get like richer and richer. And this is not a knock on the second Mindy Kaling book, but the it seems like if you're a celebrity writing a memoiry essay-ish thing, you put out most of the good stuff yeah. in the first book. Uh, yeah. So I would say, is everyone hanging out without me is the first one, but she grows up a little bit more. The second one is a little more serious. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are good. Okay. Then my, my um, spy pick is, I mean, if, you're, if your mom likes the curry, there's a chance she's already read this. I hadn't but I think it was mentioned. I think I picked it up because it is mentioned in this Pigeon Tunnel. Um, Our Man in Havana by Graham Greene uh, is a spy novel set in Havana. It's an MI6 operative who is a former vacuum cleaner salesman <laughs> who is a, a reluctant secret agent, um, and like he he's he's trying to keep his job. And he's not sure he's gonna keep it, so he starts filing these fake reports based on an essay collection by Charles Lamb. Like it's a sat, what's funny, it's a satire is why I'm recommending it here because you need, I think you'll appreciate this a little bit more if you already like spy novels, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it does the thing that Le Carre does. And I think people don't really know who haven't read Le Carre or Graham Greene or people of that ilk is a lot of these spy novels are really troubling the idea of spying. Like they're not they they are sus they are suspicious of the whole enterprise and the utility of it and the sort of supposed moral superiority of one side versus the other. This is like the notorious Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy thing from Grand Green. It's like, do you really think there's more worth on your side than there's on mine? Um, so it really becomes about the moral quandaries and characters and less about the you know the spy craft and are we going to get our man and all that sort of thing so they they tend to be more atmospheric and more about the characters and you get some plot stuff going on too but our man in havana uh i think you get sort of the apotheosis of that another anecdote about this that graham green did so much research and was so tuned into what was actually mi6 was like he almost got brought up on tra- on, on charges of treason for exposing state secrets like it was that close 
Um, and that's one thing Le Carre said he always kept in mind is he didn't want it up om- like what Graham Greene almost did of like, you know, in a dark cell somewhere because he got a little too close to home of what the spycraft was like. So that's Our Man in Havana uh, by Graham Greene. I got nothing for spycraft, so I'm glad that you covered that one. But um, I was just realizing as we were talking about these audiobooks, Rob Lowe has two memoirs that are Mm. great on audio because it's a delight to listen to Rob Lowe. The first, I don't remember the titles, but the first one, if you Google them, is better than the second one. Um, I enjoyed those. For um, other fun, not quite famous person memoirs, I really loved Who Thought This Was a Good Idea by Alyssa Mastermonico. It just came out. She uh, was, she is, I think, just now in her like late 30s or early 40s, um, but she was in her 20s when she got hired on to work for Obama's Senate campaign when he was running for Illinois senator and then was on his staff all the way through the presidential campaign and on into the White House. And she was like one of his chief advisors. She ran scheduling and logistics and was like, if they were going to Germany, and she had to get uh, a bunch, like if a bunch, if the president and a bunch of the staff had to get to Germany, it was her job to figure out the logistics of like getting everyone there and which places they were going to visit and what all the protocol were for the different places that they had to go. And the book is like part memoir of being this young woman in a position that's basically always been held by men, by much older men in particular. She was the first woman to occupy the physical office that she had in the White House. Um, And then it mixes in each chapter, instead of being a linear, you know, point A to point B memoir, each chapter is about some sort of character trait to cultivate in yourself as a person in the world, but especially if you're a woman and especially if you are thinking about career or life goals or whatever. Um, So the Robin Roberts nod here sort of set me off there, but also that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey talk about their work in interesting ways. Um, and so does Lauren Graham. So this might be right up your mom's alley mm. that sort of Master Monaco sets it up as like, you need to, you know, own up when you make mistakes. And then the chapter is about some experience that she had working in the White House, some mistake that she made where she had to, you know, own up and deal with the consequences. Or you need to persevere. And here, here's how she did that. Um, it, it's the kind of setup that like could turn out to be too like earnest, but it works really well with her. Her voice is really fun and down to earth. And it's just fascinating. Like she was once on a list of the most important, least famous people in Washington. Mm. And it's one of those cases of like, she has a job that is critical to, or she had a job that was critical to the White House being successful. But you just never would have heard of her. Um, And incidentally, she's good friends with Mindy Kaling. So we can just put our book recommendations next to each other there. Um, If your mom does audio at all, I'm not sure here. The Clancy's of Queen Street by Tara Clancy is an amazing, hilarious memoir um, about a sort of blue collar childhood in Queens. Uh, And that's it, really. But Tara Clancy is just bonkers funny. Um, It's probably great in print, but it is extra, extra wonderful on audio and uh, to stick in the celebrity memoir wheelhouse self-inflicted wounds by Aisha Tyler is also great. She writes about growing up um, being a really geeky kid that her parents taught her to embrace her geekiness and not be sorry or apologetic about who she was, but she still wrestled with those feelings of being different, uh, not quite fitting in and sort of how that translated as she grew up and has the interesting career as a comedian and actress and all the other work that she does. So who thought this was a good idea by Alyssa Mastromonaco, The Clancy's of Queens by Tara Clancy and Self-Inflicted Wounds by Aisha Tyler. 
Next up is Casey. Um, she's looking for a mystery and or thriller that has an ending that is not tied up in a nice way. I'm not, not, not looking for a woman <laughs> who is in, who is an in the closet alcoholic and becomes a detective who outsluits the police to find a killer. <laughs> I I'm see looking you there, for something Casey. more in li- line with the ending of Gone Girl and Less Like Girl on the Train or The Woman in Cabin 10. Do such books exist? I, I would love a book with a narrator who maybe is or maybe isn't unreliable it's kind of a isn't whether they may be reliable maybe not so there's questions reliability is in question i got lost in the the negation there um i'm gonna go so i think i've mentioned on the show i've been making my way through the agatha christie library Mm, mm -hmm. over the last couple years and one thing i've learned and maybe it's because i've come to um agatha christie late is that it's kind of there's that joke about the simpsons did it you know, in the cartoon comedy world. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I think the same could be said of Agatha Christie of like v- virtually any format of mystery or, th- or or detective story or murder or whatever. Like she wrote so many books and experimented so much that there's a little bit of something for everybody. Now, I haven't... I'm going to key on uh, the ending that is not tied up in a nice way. And I'm going to I'm gonna look at that nice as the one. So the ones I recommended, you, you they are tied up. But they're not sat. They're not going to make you feel good. They're not going to make you feel like justice was done. They're not going to make you feel like everything is okay. Um, so I've got two picks plus one from Agatha Christie. The first is, and then there were none, which is, I mean, some people think it's the most elegant of all mystery novels ever written. It has a certain clockwork element, but you don't know what's happening, and only at the end do you really understand, and the whole thing is a surprise, and it's very eerie. Basically, 10 people are invited to this island um, by a mystery host and get sealed off and then start dying one by one. And you're trying to figure out what is happening, why is it happening, who's doing it, and it's a surprise, and it's disturbing, and it's really eerie and strange, and it makes you feel just kind of weird at the end. So I'm not sure if that's what you're looking for. The other one in the Agatha Christie that's like weird and interesting and atmospheric with an unreliable narrator is Endless Night um, by Agatha Christie, of course. And basically, there's this sort of drifter chauffeur that sort of marries a local socialite, minor, sort of gentry kind of person. And the relationship gets weird, something happens, you don't know who to believe, you're led one place and you end up another, and it's really creepy. Um, And the third one is a little more conventional, but uh, it's called The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, which I'm including here because when Agatha Christie wrote and published it, it so subverted expectations of what a detective novel should be that she was, I think, formally censured by the like the International Association of Crime Writers. Is that true? Yeah. There, there, That's yeah, a great story. That, that she, it, it so violated the expectations of what they understood a mystery to be about, that they said it's unfair and whatever. So that's enough of a tease. I don't want to say more about it right there. It feels conventional when you start, but then you'll see something else going on as you get there. So that's my Christie triptych. Uh, and then there were none, Endless Night, and the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Only one of them has like a only one of them has a detective. Only murder of Roger Ackroyd has Perot as a detective. The other one are not detective stories. They are about murders happening, but they're not detective stories. Uh-uh. I've also never read Agatha Christie. Well, your 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 other half on the other shows, she's the one you got to worry about. I know, you don't have to worry I about know. me. Yeah, I, maybe like next summer mm. I'll program your summer reading, and you can program. Oh, there mine. you go. That's interesting. <laughs> that would be a fun project. That'd be fun. 
Uh, okay, I've got some, I think, that are in, in, in the vein of what you're looking for here, Casey. The first is a pretty recent release. It just came out a couple weeks ago. It's called Penance by Kane Minato. Uh, this is, I believe it's Japan. Uh, it's It takes place 15 years after the day that a group of girls gathered to play like on the playground at their school one evening. A man approached them. He asked one of them to go into the locker room with him ostensibly to help him with something. And the next thing that they knew, the man was gone and their friend was dead. Uh, mm. 15 years later, each of the four girls who remained uh, after that are reflecting on what happened in their lives after that murder. And it, the 15-year thing is important because up until 2010, Japan had a 15-year statute of limitations on murder. So in the world of the book, there's all this tension around the 15-year anniversary of this murder because the women are all thinking now about, like, it's been 15 years and they haven't caught the man. Who could it have been? Like, why did he come and why did he kill our friend? And, like, why did he kill our friend and not me? Uh, those kinds of questions. But really dark things happen to each of them. And there are some open, lingering, sinister bits of like who it could have been and who else might have been involved in uh, in what's happened to the girls after the murder. I don't want to say too much because yeah. it is really twisty and delicious. Um, each section of the book is narrated by a different one of them. And then the final section is narrated by a person that you didn't suspect was key to the whole thing all along. Uh, it's great. Uh, and that, the, you know, the Japanese thrillers tend to have a different tone than some of than than like Gone Girl or The Girl on the Train in American thrillers. There's a different pacing to them. And I find that it just like sucks me right in. So Penance was really, really great. For a little bit straighter up unreliable narrator, Good Is Gone by Amy Gentry, which came out I believe last year, um, is about a family who had a daughter that went missing. They had basically accepted, because it's been years and years and years, that the daughter must be dead. But then the doorbell rings and there's a young woman standing on the front porch who says that it's her. She is the one who was missing. And the family is overjoyed and they welcome her back into the home and her sister who you know has thought that she was now an only child and has mourned having lost a sister for years is there but some questions linger about whether this is actually the long lost daughter hmm. and you get sections of the book from multiple members of the family and from the so-called returned long lost daughter um it's good and twisty and probably the first one of the books in the like jump on the gone girl bandwagon or books that have attempted to jump mm. on the gone girl bandwagon that I've read and thought actually belongs sort of in that same category. So that's good as gone by Amy Gentry. Cool. Ooh, um, okay. Let's see. This is from Liz. Uh, I listen on my commuter in the lab each. Whoops. I, I don't think I cut something off when I, Hmm. Oh, uh, no, they're just saying see. they listen. Okay, never mind. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, if you are still taking recommendations, blah, blah, blah. I, one of the undergraduates has done great work in my lab is graduating and moving on to bigger and better things. Yay. Anyways, I wanted to get her a book for graduation, but I don't know what book. We are an animal behavior lab, and she is interested in elephants, conservation work, and Africa. I would like to get her something that hits some of those notes, but I don't know what. I usually get graduating students a graduate-level animal behavior book, but I wanted to get her something different this time. Do you have any suggestions? The book can be any genre, but 
bonus points if there is science in it. Uh, I think I speak for both of us where we have one animal behavior book that we recommend. <laughs> uh, H is for <laughs> yeah. Hawk by Helen McDonald. Um, about, this maybe could go, you know, this maybe could graduate to our Rushmore of recommendations. We don't have to retire this because it's been out for a while and we've recommended mm-hmm. it several times. But come on, it's about animal behavior. Helen McDonald, um, her father dies and she is interested in training birds of prey. And this book, it, sorry, I should say it's a memoir. This is true. Um, narr- she writes about her training this one particular hawk and what it t- teaches her about her own humanity, what it teaches her about her hawk, what it teaches her about her life and how she thinks about it. Um, so it's, you know, I, I don't know how many, there are other books in the in the canon of memoirs about animals, but this has to be right up there. Uh, it's beautiful and thoughtful and really interesting. Um, and as someone who cares about relationship with animals, I, I would, you know, I don't use the must read ver, uh, you know, appellation very often or seriously, but this one feels like if yeah. there is such a thing, this mm-hmm. might be it for this particular. The other one, you know, weirdly I came across when I was helping my son look for books. Um, he'll, he, lo- he loves animals and so we'll check out stuff from the library. And this one, I was looking for books about elephants for him and saw this and I thought of this question. It's called The Elephant Whisperer by Lawrence Anthony. I have not read it, but it's a memoir about someone who worked in Africa on an elephant uh, conservation park. Um, so it's pretty fastball down the middle. The reviews look pretty good, but if you haven't heard of it, you might see if it's for you. I, so I can't vouch for it personally, but in terms of ticking boxes, uh, it's an all-star. So that's The Elephant Whisperer by Lawrence Anthony. Um, it looked pretty interesting. I flipped through it and read a couple of pages. Uh, it looks well-written and might be interesting for her. So if you're really looking for, um, you know, really a checker on a checker, that would be the one. But the one I can vouch for is H is for Hawk by Helen McDonald. Yeah, we can vouch for that all day long. H is for Hawk for everyone. Yes, H is <laughs> Hawk. You get H is for Hawk, you get a Hawk, you right. get a Hawk. Uh, okay, Mine, my first pick is fiction, but it ticks all of the boxes mm. of elephants conservation in Africa. It's The Tusk That Did the Damage by Tanya James. Uh, this is a novel that came out a couple of years ago, and it has three narrators. One is a, uh, a young man uh, who is, let's see, it's in the South Indian countryside, I'm sorry, not Africa. Um, but one is a uh, young man, he's the son of a rice farmer. He loses a cousin to this uh, giant elephant who's infamous in the area called the Grave Digger. Uh, And he's drawn along with his brother into the world of poaching. There's also a young American uh, documentary maker who is trying to sort of straddle the line between conservation and corruption and tell the story about what's going on with elephant poaching. And then the third narrator is the elephant. Um, Mm -hmm. is the gravedigger elephant breaking free of his chains and terrorizing the countryside. It sounds bonkers, but she does it so, so well. Like when the book was um, getting ready to come out, I think it was our friend Josh Christie, who now co-owns print bookstore Mm. in Maine, um, telling me like this, it's a novel that's partially narrated by an elephant. And just trust me, you have to read it. It's really, really wonderful. And he was not wrong. It is really wonderful. I don't want to, you know, spoil too much about how those three narrators end up interacting with each other, but I haven't read anything like it. I don't think I've read anything else that an animal narrates, an adult novel that an animal narrates, and I thought it was really wonderful. So that's the tusk. That's an interesting question. Anyway, yeah. yeah. 
That's the tusk that did the damage by Tanya James. And then I'm not recommending when women were birds on this podcast. <laughs> but but I'm I also not want... not recommending. <laughs> I'm you know if you feel compelled to consider mm-hmm. it. Um, but I am gonna pull in from the Terry Tempest Williams uh, oeuvre of uh, Finding Beauty in a Broken World, which is a collection of essays that she wrote um, celebrating conservation related issues, but also travel and culture. And it ranges from like Italy to the Southwest to Rwanda, where she's done some work. And it's really about finding meaning and finding community. Um, and like, you know, finding beauty in a broken world. But it ties really nicely in with, I think, pondering what conservation really means, like, not just in a practical sense of preserving the world for the next generation, but like, why do we care about that? And what does it mean to us to take care of this world that we have that also has so many problems? It's really beautiful. I I think you're hard pressed to find a, a more elegant conservation writer than Terry Tempest Williams. I am hardcore biased in that arena, but I love her. <laughs> you're snorting. But you can't be hardcore... biased when making a recommendation. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's what true. recommendations are. You can't that's be true. like, I'm, I, like, I'm so biased about this because I like it. So I'm going to write that's okay, not how that right, works. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I absolve true. you of all guilt. <laughs> Thank you. I feel You're so welcome. much better. Yeah. Um, I'm. I just deeply love her writing and the way that she talks about the world. And I think you know someone who's doing the kind of work that mm. you and your students are doing would find some meaning there too. So that's finding beauty in a broken world by Terry Tempest Williams. Um, all right. The next one's a long lead, and so I'm I'm going to summarize. Mm-hmm. Uh, best friend graduating this year, uh, and. And uh, she's going to specialize as a pediatrician. Recommend inspirational book about pediatrics specifically, perhaps a memoir, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I know that generally she prefers to read books about non-medical topics or free time, so I don't think she would be interested in reading a medical book on a subject other than pediatrics and kids. So, like, we're not supposed to recommend, I guess, um, a, another one that goes on the Hall of Fame, you know, Emperor of All Maladies, you know, about mm-hmm. cancer. We can't right. do that. Um, oh, she has opted out of reading Emperor of All Maladies. Even says there, I, I, I called that one fourth. So basically, it's if it's either about pediatrics or not medical, or about dance is the other one we get here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two recommendations, and it's been a while since I've read this, and also it makes me wonder when his next book is coming out. But Cutting for Stone oh, uh, by Abraham it, Verghese. Do you know how to say Verghese? Verghese. It's Verghese. 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 Thank you. Um, I was Italian. Verghese, uh, set oh, in so good. It's, it's so, good. so good, and it was a huge book. It came out it's, wow seven or uh, seven years ago. It was ago like one now. of the Can very first that? things I reviewed when I was blogging. It's Africa, right? It starts it's in Africa. Africa. Yeah, basically, it's about twins, Marion and Shiva Stone, who were born. You know, basically, be an Indian nun had a, an affair with a British surgeon, so there's illicit kids. They're orphaned. And they basically become doctors that also work in, you know, impoverished places in Ethiopia. The thing that reminded me about it for here is that one of the twins develops this special kind of technique for dealing with this particular um, obstetric condition. And I don't remember what it is, but that caught my memory. It's like, do I need a book about obstetrics? Oh, yeah, here's one where that's mm. a plot point. But it is about, it's a beautiful book. It's a saga um, it's about medicine. It's about helping people, and it's just a great read. So that that that's my first pick. Um, the other one, this one, I haven't read, but it became a TV show, and some other people that I've heard talking about say it's really good itself. It's called The Midwife, um, which there's a BBC show uh, based on it called The Midwife by Jennifer Worth, and it's about 
It's a memoir about midwives in England in the 1950s. Um, and basically all that that meant. And you can only imagine the sort of drama that goes into like being called in and helping people, you know, have their children in all sorts of uh, conditions. So um, it's set in London in the 1950s. Uh, and that's uh, called The Midwife. No, it's like, wait, is it a memoir? Wait, I might have had this wrong. It might just be a novel. Um, I don't know. I can't help you there. No, it's a memoir. It's a memoir. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Uh, also, so if she, and then if she likes that, she can go watch the, the, the show. You can yeah. get that. So call the midwife, Jennifer Ward. Uh, oh, man. You won that with oh. Cutting for Stone. Oh, it's yeah. So okay. Good. Thanks. That's thanks, perfect. Thanks. I appreciate that. Good job. Uh, I do not have an obstetric related <laughs> novel. So I went straight to the, by the way, my friend is also a dancer. <laughs> no, there you go. Yeah. Skip to the end. <laughs> And uh, I will recommend Dancer by Colin McCann. This is a gorgeous novel inspired by the life of Russian dancer Rudolf Nureyev. 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 And so it's built on the actual facts of Nureyev's life, but it's fictionalized. I did not know that this was a real person when I read the novel. And so I was like, oh my gosh, he just imagined such a rich and wonderful (laughs) character. Who are these people? And then I was Googling around afterwards of like, oh, Colin McCann. Okay, you're still Mm -hmm. a genius, but you didn't fabricated out of whole cloth uh, and he's so we get his childhood how he gets sort of drafted into being a ballet dancer complicated relationships uh, family relationships marriage the second world war happens he ends up in New York dancing in the 80s and the story is narrated by a carousel of characters uh, telling telling the readers basically about Nureyev's life. It's just so good. Like John Lennon makes an appearance Mm. and uh, Nureyev is in the book himself. And of course, in a large way, it's gorgeous. You don't really need to know anything about dancing, but if you do, it will, I'm sure be so much richer, but the, just the historical settings and all of the like very finely crafted details of the novel make it really like unforgettable. I came late to Dancer. Um, I was reading, uh, I think it's called oh, 13 Ways of Looking, which is Colin huh. McCann's most recent short story collection was coming out. And the publicist was like, have you ever read Dancer? And I was like, no, I you know, would not normally pick up a, a novel about a ballet dancer on uh-huh. my own. It's just not my jam. And it was so my jam. It's so good. It's just so good. It's really beautiful. Um, so hopefully that will give your friend some... It's, it's very different from Tiny Pretty Things, which uh, she also notes that her friend read when I recommended mm. it on all the books. Um, but it's a really, really lovely novel. So that's Dancer by Colin McCann. All right, cool. last sponsor. That and recommendation then... was uh, <clears throat> on point. Um, out of the box. <laughs> 52 minutes in before uh, we had a pun. It's That's a dad's maybe a recommendation <laughs> show. You got to give me one here. Uh, next sponsor, Out of the Box by Gemma Westing. This is a very cool. Summertime's coming up, and you know, you're looking for stuff to do if you've got kids or know people who have kids or, or nieces or nephews or whatever it might be. So what Out of the Box is, it's a... Basically, uh, 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 a box, or it's a book that has 25 interactive cardboard model projects that engages engages kids' creativity and out-of-the-box thinking skills through hands-on learning and the application of science-based principles. It comes out of these STEAM initiatives, uh, science, technology, engineering, arts, and music, um, education uh, initiatives, and the maker of movement. So it's filled with these kid-friendly paper projects that are small-sale gifts to large constructions. 
Um, Jenna, Gemma Westing herself is an award-winning paper engineer, which is an excellent title for like a fantasy novel, The Paper Engineer. Anyway, uh, uses clear step-by-step instructions and inspirational images to show kids how to make dinosaurs, masks, race cars, and a whole bunch of other stuff from just recycled materials, including cardboard rolls and boxes. So all the supplies that you need, you, you know, find them around the house. Um, it's part of the upcycle trend, you know, of environmental friend for that some of us who care about this stuff. You know, what do we have? What can we do? Hands on, get outside, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the iPad, get something fun that you guys can do together. If you've got kids looking for something to do when the weather is turning nice, uh, out of the box, I think I'm going to pick this up. I have to, they didn't send me one. So I'm going to have to go. This is perfect for you. I'm going to have to plunk down my hard earned ducats um, on this, but I'm willing to do it. So thank you so much. To Out of the Box by Gemma Westing. Um, go pick it up now. All right. This All last right. question is from Katie. Wait, is this who the last? Oh, the next one. Okay, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. next question. Like, sorry, last one for, Jeez, that was fast. for, well, for today, yeah. we're, we're going to be, uh, is from Katie, who always looks forward to your rants about ebook pricing. Uh, and she's looking for a recommendation for her husband. It's his second Father's Day, and she wants to give him a book to take his mind off of work. He's very intellectual, does a lot of reading, but mostly in the form of articles. He studied chemistry in college. He loves science, and he's also very interested in American politics. Uh, so... Hey, you're going to get to talk about Emperor of All Maladies. You know what? I'm I'm striking myself. You, I think oh, you you, are. you win this one. I I had Emperor of All Maladies, but you know what, Jeff? Come on, try just a little bit. Don't go with the first thing. Dig a little deeper. <laughs> um, so I'm going with you know again, it's recency bias, but I contain multitudes by Ed Yong. Oh, um, I loved that book. Yeah, it's a, in it's science. Uh, I thought the, the thing I thought about the Emperor of All Maladies was a little bit different. Is that you get a little bit of the social policy in politics of like mm-hmm. the fundraising and American Cancer Institute. So it's really good. And you know, blanket recommendation for Siddhartha Mukherjee's The Gene and Oh yes, which uh, is Emperor out in paperback Ma- now. Yeah, yes, but I contain multitudes. I don't know what we talked about on this show, um, but it's about the little the little piece of crap pieces of life that are so important <laughs> for really making everything else happen. Um, microbes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's a really interesting journey through like what they do, where they are, how they defend us from diseases and, you know, teach our immune systems how to fight stuff and how they influence our behavior. Um, it's kind of one of the, the ultimate turns out biology book. Turns out all the things you don't pay attention to actually do everything. Um, but it's really good. Ed Young's a super interesting guy. Uh, I, I really recommend this one as well. Um, let's see. It has a really nice subtitle too: "The Microbes Within Us and a Grander View of Life." Nice turn. You go. You go small to go big. Go small to yeah. go big with. Uh, I can. And a nice closer. Whitman reference there in the title. Yes, 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 indeed. That's and a I, great you know, one. I yeah. I talked about that on all the books, but I don't mm, think it made it onto you know, the show. I love those, you know, deep dive science books. That's a good pick here. Yeah, it's better um, than my original. Wait, no, it's just it's just a little come, try, Jeff. You put your yeah. back into it. But you won this one. As soon as I saw this, after I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it. Well, we both won because I read this one because mm. you talked about it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neurotribes by Steve Silberman, which is about neurodiversity um, and about like it's a big book, big history of how we came to understand autism and Asperger's and what the spectrum looks like. But it's also, I think, a really powerful reframing of those things away from the notion that someone who has autism or who is on the spectrum, away from the idea that 
their thinking is disordered or abnormal in some way and more towards the notion of it's just different and that there are benefits to different ways of viewing and understanding and processing the world and that folks who are neuroatypical bring you know talents and strengths that m- most of us who are neurotypical don't have mm-hmm. access to um, and he's he's really sort of pushing in this book for a broader view of how to consider what our brains do um, and without applying the sort of diagnostic labels to someone's brain is different and therefore they can't have a normal life. Um, what if they could? What if we built the world in a way that was more welcoming and that also allowed us to take advantage of you know, being enriched by mm-hmm. the ways that these other people are able to view the world? And so it, it also carries with it you know, sort of not quite political in the straight like electoral politics right. sense, yes. but political notions in terms of how we think about personhood and medicine and public places. Like we've talked on this show about libraries that have, um, like they have unquiet hours for uh, folks with autism who like need to make some sound or for whom quiet or silence is like really painful or some, you know, public places that have quiet hours for the same reason and how we might reconstruct social life to be more adaptive for people who are neuroatypical. It's really, 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 really great. Um, and you said it also, you know, changed your thinking and understanding of what neurodiversity is. So, um, that's a great science book. Um, and then for American politics, this is a tiny essay collection. It's called we gone be all right by Jeff Chang. And it's, um, not a broad political book, but he dives into, uh, in the first couple of pieces, the specific history of St. Louis and of Ferguson, Missouri, and how the events that happened in Ferguson around Michael Brown's death came to happen. And it begins in political decisions that were made in the 1800s about mm. where different kinds of people settled around St. Louis and how the cities got built up and then how the police force got structured the way that it was. It's really fascinating and very detailed and carefully researched. And then he moves up into modern day questions of diversity in universities and workplaces and sort of ties it all together. Um, It's also very well done. I had not read him before, but it's the most detailed and also um, easily digestible sort of compressed explanation of like, here is how Ferguson happened and why it happened the way that it did. Um, And for what we're looking at in American politics, I think that's, it was really useful to me in the last couple of years to have read this book, um, just came out last year, but really enriched my understanding of how that all came to be and sort of what questions to start asking next. Um, So that's Neurotribes by Steve Silberman and We Gonna Be All Right by Jeff Chang. You know what? I think we cut it. I think we stopped there. That's an I hour. think so. We can, mm-hmm. we have enough that we could probably stretch out for a whole another episode. Maybe we'll do if there's big news or some stuff we want to talk about in the news. Um, we can check that out soon. But uh, that's our show for this week. And if we didn't get to your question, fear not, dread not, keep hope alive. It's coming soon. I want to thank our three sponsors. Out of the box, get your maker movement on with you or some, you know, little guy, little guy or gals that you think would be interested in building some stuff. Um, Post-grad, you know, you got someone that's, you got someone that's a little bit older that's going to go out and try to figure out what's going out in the world after college. Um, Post-grad by Caroline Kitchener um, and the, and uh, woman number 17 by Eden Lepucky. If you're looking for a little psychological thriller, 
up in the Hollywood Hills. It feels like it's got a little David Lynch in it. I haven't read it. That's, that's what I'm guessing, right? A little mm-hmm. Mulholland Hills. Or no, Mulholland, Mulholland Drive. Drive. I'm, now I'm just mixing it all up. Um, <laughs> but thank you guys for, so much for sponsoring the show. Thank you for writing in. Uh, and again, we like to hear. If you yeah, these are one, so much fun. If you, liked a, if you picked one of these out for you or you know, someone else and you actually gave it to them and they actually read it, you know, you know, the dwindling probability uh, on each part, each fork in the road there. But if we get all the way done and then they tell you what they thought about it and you believe them, we would love to know how we did. Um, so stay tuned next week. Uh, don't write in. We're not going to take any more. Sorry to say. Um, so it's not, it's not a uh, extension. You don't get an extension on your paper that we're going to do another week. But we'll we'll get everyone else taken care of for next time. Talk to you later. Have a good one. <laughs>